Thank you for listening to the Radiant Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at weareradiant.com. Come on, Radiant, put your hands together for Jesus today. Oh, awesome, awesome. Hey, you can have a seat. So glad you're in church. Don't you love your church? Both of you, that's awesome. I know our other locations love their church. Aren't you thankful for your pastors? Come on. Um, one thing I so admire about them is just integrity. And um, in a world that seems to lack it a lot, you know, the word integrity comes from the root word integer, which means the whole. So integrity means that you are the same person no matter where you are. You're, you're not one person at work, a different person at the beach, and then a different person in church. Um, who you say you are, you're whole. And, uh, and they're just live with such integrity, lead so well. What God's doing here is really, really amazing. And, um, and sometimes you can come into it every week and you're kind of like, oh, this is normal. I'll just tell you, it's not normal. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the average church in America is less than 100 people baptizing zero every year. Just let that sink in for a minute. What God's doing here is not normal. And so never lose gratitude for it. That's right. You know, dishonor isn't that you speak down about something. It's just when you treat it common. Wow. Honors to treat something as uncommon. Dishonors to treat it as common. And so just never treat it as common. Never treat being able to be in the house of God as common. It's not another Sunday. No, it's a day I'm going to hear from God. Yes. We'll be in the presence of God with God's people. Come on. Are you thankful for your church today? Yes. Well, I bring greetings to everybody from the great Commonwealth of Virginia, just outside of D.C., so pray for it. It's crazy up there, y'all. And, uh, but I wanted to show you a picture of my family. I think it's coming up. The crew, there they are, the circus. And uh, you're like, wow, you like kids. No, I really like my wife. <laughs> That's my wife, Tammy. We've been married 18 years. We get to lead our church together. And uh, the guy beside me is my son, but he's here on the front row with me today. <laughs> Owen, he's 15. I'm gonna brag on him. Just got his learner's permit on Friday, so pray for my insurance bill. And on Wednesday, he's being inducted into the National Honor Society, everybody. <laughs> He's like, Dad, it's not a big deal, all my friends. I was like, because your, your friend group at school is smart. The National Honor Society never thought about sending me a letter. He's like, Dad, I've never made a B. I was like, I didn't either. Not a big deal. I was a C student all the way. Come Any C students in the house of God today? Come on, it's great. Uh, that's my daughter, Faith. She's 13. She made me a cheer dad. Any cheer dads in the house? You won't admit it. A lot of bows, come on. High bows, lots of hairspray, big hair, don't care. Bring them back to the 80s. And uh, that's my little girl, Abigail. She'll be six in a couple of weeks. And uh, she means Father's Joy, her name, and that's what she is. And then the little guy with the great hair in my lap, that's Jonas, he will be four in a month. And um, we adopted him at five days old. So he's a joy. And anytime I mention him, we always thank God for his birth mom who chose life when she could have chose something else. And uh, so she's the hero in the story. Were you ready for the word today? Yes. Awesome, let me pray for us. Father, we open our hearts and minds to hear from you. So Holy Spirit, speak to us. We haven't come just to check a box or do some religious activity. We've come to hear from heaven. And may we never be the same because of it. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said a big amen. 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 So um, a couple of weeks ago, 
my wife tasked me with the assignment of taking Abigail to the dentist and uh, because uh, I was supposed to hype her up for the procedure, which was going to require a shot in the gums because she had already had it before and knew that it wasn't very comfortable. And how many of you know, once a kid experiences something that's uncomfortable, they're done, right? Like my youngest, Jonas, I don't want to gross you out, but he ate strawberries and got sick and like they came back up, you know? And um, so now on, he's like, dad, I don't eat strawberries. They make me sick. So like strawberries are off limits now, like it just quit. And so this was the whole dentist experience. It was like, no, the last time I went to the dentist, I got a shot. I ain't going back to the dentist ever again. So Tammy's like, I got an appointment. You're taking her to the dentist. And so I take her to the dentist and the whole ride to the dentist, she's like, where are we going to? I was like, you got a dentist appointment. She's like, I'm not going back in that chair. And I'm like, no, we're going to get in the chair. It's going to be okay. And so I'm just, I'm pumping her up, you know, the whole ride, like, it's going to be good. And so I'm like, you're strong, you're brave. It's not going to, it's not going to hurt that bad. Um, you know, like I'm lying to her for the whole drive. I mean, I mean, I'm a pastor. I'm like trying to not lie, but hyper, are y'all following me? Like hyper up a little bit and like to get her into the chair. And cause I'm just trying to think of anything to say so that it's not a battle and a meltdown um, in the middle of the dentist office. Right. And I was thinking about this and thought, this is sometimes how we as believers if you're new to church or faith, then just, I think you're going to learn a lot today. But I think for those of you that are believers, that's kind of how we, we try to encourage people that are walking through pain or walking through suffering in their life. Sometimes it's because we just don't know what to say. So we're just like, it's going to work out in the end. Like, I'm just going to kind of, you know, pump you up a little bit. Like, uh, it's, there's a silver lining. You know, we got all the, all the like memes, right? Like every little cute quote. And how many of you know sometimes cute quotes don't do it? Right, right. And if we're a Christian and we know the Bible, we may go like to the key verse. Like this is the slam dunk verse. This is the one. It's like, this is, this is it. It's Romans 8, 28. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him and been called according to his purpose. And so we're just like, God's going to work it all out. Like that, you can preach that one. Like if I just stuck on that, I would have brought an organ player with me and uh, we would have just went to town for 30 minutes. Are y'all following me? Like, mm, he's gonna work it out. Like God, like we could have worked that one. But this is my question. What, when, what about when you're walking through something and you don't see God working it out? Can we talk real? What about when they said for better, for worse, till death do us part. And it actually was until the few two arguments do us part. What do you do then? What do you do when you went for a routine visit, but you got a call that caused anxiety and worry to overwhelm you? What do you do then? I don't see you working it out, God. There's a light at the end of the tunnel, doesn't cut it then. It's going to get better, doesn't cut it then, right? What do you do when that happens? You need something that is a deeper foundation than a cute quote. And I'm not saying that God doesn't work all things together for good. I'm just saying it's a good verse, but it's a better verse when it's in context. Yeah. Yes. And so what context is, I know you know this because you have a great communicator of God's word, but I'll remind you context is when you don't just pull one verse out and try to make it say what you want, because culture's doing that a lot right now, trying to get God to justify their behavior. Come on. Aaron will be back next week, y'all, to be much better. <laughs>
But when you look at it in the whole of what it's saying, so I want us to read it in the whole of what it's saying to us. If you're with me, say amen. amen. I want to start at Romans chapter 8, verse 17, and then read to the end. It says this, now, if we are who are children, in other words, we who have accepted Christ, because not everybody is a child of God, everyone's a creation of God, but you join the family of God when you place faith in Jesus. So if we are children, then we're heirs, heirs and co-heirs with Christ. In other words, everything that heaven has to offer, we have inheritance to, if indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. Paul said, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. He said, creation waits in eager expectation for the sons of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into glorious freedom of the children of God. I'm going to explain all this, so hang with me. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves... We're groaning. We have the first fruits of the Spirit grown inwardly as we eagerly await the adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. So he's not saying that when we place our faith in Christ that we're not immediately children of God. He's just saying it's not fully fulfilled. Right now we walk by faith. You heard a great message last week in Romans about faith, right? Were you listening last week? Okay, you heard a great message on faith, right? And so faith means that I'm believing in something I don't yet see. Faith is the evidence of things hoped for, the evidence of things unseen. Are you with me? And so what he's saying, the fulfillment of it is whenever I see Jesus face to face. When I see him face to face, I won't need faith anymore. I'll have sight. But right now I walk by faith. Okay, good. You're quick learners. (laughs) For in this hope we were saved. But hope that is seen is no hope at all. So I I don't need hope when I have sight. So who hopes for what he already has? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. One of our favorite words, right? In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans that words can express. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints in accordance with God's will. And then here's the famous verse. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who've been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his son, that we might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. I want to talk to you about how to have hope in the middle of suffering. How to have hope in the middle of suffering. How to make sense of pain in your life. Because here's the reality is that we are all gonna walk through pain. Can you be more encouraging and positive? Sure, I'm positive that we are all (laughs) gonna walk through pain. Jesus said it himself, in this world you will have trouble. He says, but take heart, I've overcome the world. But he doesn't say that because he's overcome the world, it negates the reality of trouble in our life. So all of us are going to walk through pain. We're going to walk through something that we didn't want to go through. We're going to experience something that was outside of our control. We're going to, in our body, in our emotions, in our mind, and in relationships around us, in in, in a natural disaster. We're all going to walk through things that are going to cause pain in our life. And so how do we walk through it? With hope. Well, I'm going to give you three misconceptions about pain, and then I'm going to give you three thoughts that I think will give you hope in the middle of pain. If you're with me, say amen. Amen. Awesome. Misconception number one, if you're a note taker, write this down. If not, go ahead and write it down. 
Number one misconception is this, is I can somehow avoid it. There's a misconception in our mind, and I don't know that we necessarily articulate it that way, but we try to build life in a way where we can avoid pain. And, 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 And I don't know that we would say it this way, but what we do is we think if I can get enough financial margin around me, if I can get enough relational buffering around me, if I can have enough success in my life, then I can kind of insulate myself to a place where I can avoid pain in this life. And I'm not saying we should walk around. I'm no psycho. I'm not like we should walk around and be like, God, let pain enter my life. No, I'm more like, God, bless me. God, prosper. Are y'all following me? But I'm just saying, we kind of think if I can build a life. And so whenever something comes in life that punctures the bubble of the little sphere we're trying to create, all of a sudden it turns our life and spins it out of control because we've tried to thought in our mind, well, if I have enough money, if I have enough retirement, if I do enough right things, if I do build the right things, if I spend enough time with my kids, everything is going to turn out the way that it should turn out. And when it doesn't, it spins us into a cycle because we think there is something pulling us to. But the Bible says, what Paul wrote is that all of creation is in bondage to futility or to frustration. In other words, I... We are not evolving to better people, y'all. Right, right. We have a problem called sin. Culture wants you to believe that, that we're just evolving to better and better. No, when we're left to our own ways, we yeah. are evolving down and down and down. That's why we need the grace of God to interrupt our life and intersect our life to give us supernatural power to live the life God intended us to live. But life is not moving, it's moving down, down, down in our life. And so to think that we can somehow avoid it, and some of us, our faith got rattled because we thought if we raised a hand and said yes to Jesus, he would insulate our life. But he never promised to insulate your life. He promised that in the valley of the shadow of death, he would be with me, but he never promised that he would not cause me to walk through a valley. If you're with me, say Amen. You're like, I wish Pastor Aaron come back. He's so much more encouraging. We're going to get encouraging. You just need to know that when the doctor calls, when the thing doesn't work out, you better have something that is more foundational than a cute quote on a coffee mug or a meme on your social media. You better be rooted in something. I mean, Paul himself said in verse 18, he said, the present time has sufferings. Verse 23, he said, we groan under them. In other words, there's something in us that realizes this earth is broken. And it it, it grieves us. Verse 21, he says, creation, which we're a part of, is subject to futility and in bondage to corruption. It's not like it's somehow going to escape it. It is in bondage to corruption. And so we can't avoid it. So to think we can build a life where we avoid it, is a misconception. Number, misconception number two is that suffering is a sign you're in sin. It's just wrong. Does God use painful moments in our life that can help shape us and correct us? 100%. Hello, Jonah. Did God, does God send pain in our life? I don't believe that. I believe God uses it, though, for our good and his glory. But I believe a lot of what we face in life is more like Job. The Bible says that Job was a righteous man above all and Job lost it all. And so to, to think, but, and sometimes as Christians, we can say the dumbest things. <laughs> Are you with me? I mean, Job, the best thing that Job's friends did was come and sit with him silently for seven days. They took a wrong turn when they opened their mouth. 
Like they started talking. Sometimes when someone's suffering, the best thing you can do, just come sit beside them. Just let them know you're present. The power of your presence. Are you with me? But, but we, 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 may not, we may have enough self-awareness and emotional IQ not to go up to somebody and be like, you're really going through it. What did you do? But we are guilty of going, oh, there's smoke, there's fire. Or man, I wonder, what the, I wonder what's going on in their life. No, maybe nothing. They brought a sick kid to Jesus and said, who's him? Send or, send, who sinned, him or his parents? He goes, not him. Sometimes life just throws things. We're in a broken world. And because we're in a broken world, things happen that are painful. And so it may not be a problem of sin at all. Number three misconception is this, is that there is always a happy ending. I, I, w- I wish I could promise you, like, it's all going to turn. Do I believe that we serve a God of miracles? 100%. Are we seeing them in our church? 100%. Is God healing the sick and restoring marriages and bringing prodigals back and breaking addictions? 100%. But you know what? I can't promise that it always turns out happy or that you always see it on this side of eternity. Right. right. I don't know how God works. I don't understand the sovereignty of God. It may be a question if I even care when I get to heaven of why did one get healed and another one not. I don't, I don't have a great answer for you. Aaron will tell you next week. <laughs> but there may not always be a silver lining. There may not always be a, a light at the end of the tunnel. There may not always be a happy ending in it. But I know God will be with us in the middle of it. And so how do we have something more than just cute phrases and, and nice little sayings? What, what's, what's something we can like plant our feet on and put some firm roots into? And I think Paul gives us in this text, and I'm gonna give you three things real quick. If you're with me, say amen. amen. Number one is this. This is what we're gonna have hope in. Number one is that my body will be redeemed. Paul wrote in Romans 8.23, he said, not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the spirit, so those who have accepted Christ, grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship. So what I said, in other words, the fulfillment of that, seeing Jesus face to face. And he says, also what's gonna happen is the redemption of our bodies. So so I can have hope in the middle of suffering or I can have hope in the middle of pain because I have a promise from God that this body, this flesh and blood is going to be redeemed. Are you with me? That, that this, that if there's pain in my body, that, that if I'm, I'm, I've got glasses all over the place now, like something happened in my forties. Like I got glasses in my office. I got them in my bag. I got them at the church. I got them at my home office. Like I just looked at a menu a minute ago and I was like, cause if you, if you pull it away, I guess you can see it better. I don't know. But like my body, my physical body is going to be redeemed. There will be no more tears. There'll be no more anxiety. There'll be no more worry. There'll be no more hurt. There'll be no more anxiousness. There'll be no more waking up at three in the morning, worried about this or about that because my physical body is going to be redeemed. Are you with me? Like I I will... I will stand in the presence of Jesus. The Bible says that when Jesus returns, he's coming back for his church, the bride. It says the dead in Christ will rise first. Those who are alive and remain will be caught up together with him in the clouds and so shall we forever be with the Lord and we will get redeemed bodies. I'll have like a 25-year-old body. It'll look like I've been to CrossFit every day, which means I don't have to now. Eat what you want. Why would you do that every day? Who knows? Like, I understand it. Come on, have a donut in Jesus' name. Like, relax. 
but my body is gonna be redeemed. Are you following me? The frailty of this temporary vessel, the, 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 the anxiousness, the, the weakness of it, my body is gonna be redeemed into a perfect body that'll never know sickness and never know suffering and will never know pain and will never know tears again. Are y'all with me, church? My body is gonna be redeemed. But right now, the Bible said, Paul wrote, my body is groaning. So it's the groanings that are the result of the brokenness of humanity. Follow me with this. In the Garden of Eden, there was no sickness. There was no disease. But sin entered the world. And when sin entered the world, it broke the world, y'all. It didn't just break our relationship with God. It broke all of humanity. There were no earthquakes before sin entered the world. There were no hurricanes. There were no natural disasters. Are y'all following me? There were no fires burning up the West before sin entered the world because we lived in a perfect state. And so when this, what are the hurricanes? What are natural disasters? It's the groaning of all creation, wanting it to be redeemed back to the state of the garden. And the Bible tells me that Jesus will come again. He will put his feet on the Mount of Olives and he will create a new heaven and a new earth and all of creation will be redeemed in that moment. And so I can have hope in the middle of suffering because my body will be redeemed. All of creation will be put back, redeemed. It'll be put back into its original intent and order. So I can have hope in the middle of that. But listen to me. If this earth is all you're preparing for, then no wonder when pain entered your life, it's so overwhelming. If you're putting all your eggs in the earth basket, then no wonder discomfort in life is so disorienting. But if you're putting your eggs in the heaven basket, then this earth is temporal and temporary. And if I have to go, Paul said, I go through these momentary afflictions don't compare to the glory that is to be revealed. So Paul is saying to us, and what was Paul talking about these momentary afflictions? Was he talking about someone didn't like your post or made a negative comment? No, Paul was like in jail, y'all. He was being beaten and drugged through the streets. And he's like, oh, these momentary afflictions. He's like, this is a little bit of a time. This is a vapor. This is just a moment on this earth. He said, I'm, it, won't, it doesn't compare to the glory that's to be revealed. In other words, he's saying, I'm living for something else. Because my body is going to be redeemed. So let my body go through what it can go through on this earth because this is temporal, that is eternal. So I have hope my body will be redeemed. Number two, I have hope that the spirit is praying for me. Romans 8, 26 and 27 said, in the same way the spirit helps us in our weakness, we don't know what we ought to pray for. I wonder if you've ever been there. Have you ever been hurting so bad? You had no idea what to even say. He says, but the spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the spirit because the spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. So two things are happening here. He searches our hearts. So here's what I want you to understand is that God is not unaware of how you feel. I want you to let that sink in for a moment. And he's not afraid of how you feel in the middle of pain and suffering. I think sometimes we think about God from an intellectual point and, and that's not a bad thing. 
I'm not saying check your brain at the door. You don't have to to have faith. But I want you to understand he understands how you feel about it. And he searches your heart. I think, I think a generation before it was the culture of the church was you came in with a smile on your face. Because if you didn't, you lacked faith. No, maybe it's not that I don't like, that I lack faith. Maybe it's just that I'm hurting. And I just need to say it to somebody. You'd come into church, you know, and it was hell all week. And you walk in the front door and they're like, hey, good morning. Hi, hello, brother. I was like, why are you calling me brother? I'm not related to you. I don't, (laughs) so weird. We don't have the same parents. Anyways, I'm kidding. I get what they're saying. Family of God, brothers and sisters. I get it. Anyways, funnier in my head, I guess. All right, let's move along. But not only does he know how you feel, but the spirit knows the will of God. And so he's praying the perfect will of God for you. So not only do I have hope that my body will be reading, but I have hope that the spirit is praying for me. Right now, I don't know what weight you're carrying, but I do know this. The spirit is praying the perfect will of God over your life. So I don't have to wait till I can get here on a Sunday. I'm for this. We do that at our church. I love it. I love this prayer moment. I thought it was so beautiful. But I don't have to wait for that because the Spirit of God is praying for me. I can be in my dorm room right now. The Spirit of God is interceding for me. The the Spirit of God knows the depth of my hurt and is interceding the perfect will of God. When when I don't even I don't even have I don't even know what to say. Like, I don't know if you've been there, but there, there, there are times when things happen in your life that you're like, I don't, I don't have words for it. I can't articulate it. I, I just need to sit here. Sometimes you just sit and weep. And sometimes you just sit silent. And sometimes, let's be real, you just sit and you're angry. And sometimes you sit and you're confused. Sometimes you sit and you're like, God, where are you in the middle of this? And even in the middle of that, he goes, I know how you're feeling. And the spirit is interceding the perfect will of God over your life right now in this moment. And so I have hope in that. I need something more than a cute phrase. I need a spirit of the living God interceding on my behalf right now. Are y'all following me? Number three, last one is I have hope that God is working. Now we get to the famous verse. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who've been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. See, Paul even says it. Good for you, Paul. Brothers and sisters. (laughs) (laughs) And those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. I have hope that God is working. That God is doing, he's working all things together for good. Here's the deal though, your definition of good and God's definition of good need to be the same. Because what is the good he's working on? He's working on your conformity, not your comfort. That you might be conformed to the image of his son. And sometimes it takes fire to bend metal. And so if he's got to use fire, he'll use the fire. I'm not saying he send it, but he'll use it. When my, when my youngest, Jonas, was a little um, infant, so he came to us at, um, at five days old, and he was an actual infant. 
Um, the rest of our babies were big, 9, 10, and 11 pounds. My wife is a hero. <laughs> we always say we had toddlers, that we, they came out toddlers. Like, wow, you're eating and talking already. That's wild. <laughs> He's a little six pound, two ounce baby boy. And he had torticollis, which is where the neck muscle tightens and it makes them lean this way. And so when they lay, they lay on the side. So it started to flatten on this. His head started flatten, you know, because the skull is still nimble and moldable. And um, so we took him to a children's hospital and, um, and they gave him one of those baby helmets. You know I'm talking about the cute little baby helmets. And, um, and so he would wear that baby helmet and we had to take him back about every couple of weeks because inside of the baby helmet is styrofoam. And what they would do is they would shave the styrofoam so that it would open up the part of the skull and the head they wanted to grow. But it would put pressure on the part they didn't want to grow so they could conform the head to a normal shape. Sometimes God will allow pressure to come in on certain parts of your life because he's committed to making you look like Jesus. And sometimes pain will come into your life and God goes, I'm not saying he sent it, but he'll go, I'm gonna use it because I work all things together for good. But what is the good? The good is you looking more and more like Jesus. And sometimes he'll shave a little bit on this side and sometimes he'll shave a little bit on that side. And we come to church sometimes and we're like, God, use me and God work in and through my life and God, I want you to bless me. And he goes, great, I wanna do that, but I've gotta strengthen something in you. And so a little bit of pain comes and he goes, great, I'm gonna use this pain because I'm gonna conform you and I'm gonna strengthen you and I'm gonna build faith in you. And then we come back the next week and we're rebuking the devil. I rebuke the pain, I rebuke it. I'm not saying you invite it, but I'm just saying this in the middle of it, I have hope because God is always working. He's working together for my good. And so I may be walking through the fire, but I will come out not smelling like smoke. Better for it because my God is working all things together for the good of those who love him. See. We've got to have the right goal. We've got to have the right goal. For Paul, the goal wasn't an easy life. It wasn't even a better life. It was that I may know him in the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. October 13th will be seven years since my dad passed away. And um, he passed with Alzheimer's. And he was an incredible man of God. He was my pastor growing up. and just faithfully served God. Pastored a couple hundred people. I don't know if he ever pastored any more than that. But loved the poor. Y'all, y'all, I don't, you may not even know anything about like old school door-to-door evangelism. My dad would like, I don't know how many trailer park doors he knocked on. Just loving people, serving people find out their need, then he'd go get it and bring it back to them. I remember one night vividly, it was a cold night. We were living in North Carolina at the time. And he came in the house and he took out his best winter coat out of the closet. I was like, where are you going, dad? He was like, I saw a guy hitchhiking on the way home and he didn't have a jacket and it's going to be cold tonight. I just want to make sure he's got a jacket. It's just the heart of my dad. He's like, incredible. 
But when I was in seventh grade, he came down with a disease that no one had an answer for. It's a rare neurological disease. And it's been seven years of trying to find an answer. I mean, we went everywhere, Mayo Clinic, Duke University, Cleveland Clinic, I mean, every research place you can think of. And finally, in about year three or four, we got a diagnosis and he started doing better and then he really went downhill and I did CPR on him one night to keep him alive. And a few weeks after that though, God healed him miraculously, touched his body. Like the doctors said, Reverend Floyd, we have no answer for you other than divine healing. These weren't believers. But what we didn't know in the middle of it is what God was doing. But God was working. Seven years though, of my mom being the only income. Seven years of pain. Seven years of questions. Seven years of, as a middle school kid going, if this is what serving God gets you, don't sign me up. But God was working. Because God is always working all things together for good. And I didn't know it then, but now I look back and I see that God was not only doing something in my dad because people would ask him years later, Pastor, would you walk through it again? And he goes, oh, the way I know Jesus now I wouldn't trade it for anything. I know him like I could have never known him because the goal wasn't a better life. The goal was that I may know him in the power of his resurrection and if need be in the fellowship of his sufferings, but God doesn't waste any suffering. God doesn't waste any pain in your life. And what I didn't know then that I know now is that God was fortituting something in me, that he was building something in me, that something I was seeing my dad go through was doing something in my life. And now I can maybe be a blessing into somebody else's life through it because God is always working. And so church, you need more than a cute phrase that looks good on a mug. You need to know that you have a God that you can have hope in. Why? Because my body's redeemed. My dad's body is redeemed right now in this moment. The spirit of God is praying for you and praying for you and praying for you and God is always working all things together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose come on if you receive the word put your hands together let's stand up on your feet let's declare this truth together
just nobody moving around for just a minute, just every eye closed. There's one more group that's here today that do not have their hope in Christ. And it's exactly like Pastor Daniel mentioned. It's because of our sin. Sin has separated us from God. That's why so much is broken. So what do we do with that sin? We can't pay for it ourselves. We got to give it to Christ. We got to put our hope in Him. And this is your moment to make a decision to say, today's the day I turn my life over to Christ. It's that act of faith that'll change everything in your life right now. You're given a new nature, a fresh start because of what Jesus did on the cross. If that's you on the count of three, I want you to slip that hand up, wave it at me and say, Aaron, today's my day. Today's the day I'm putting my faith in Christ. I'm gonna follow him with my life. And I believe God will change you right there in your seat. One, two, three. Come on, throw that hand up right there. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you in the back. Thank you so much. There's hands all over this room. Thank you. Why don't we all pray this prayer out loud together? Say, dear Jesus, come on, say it loud. Dear Jesus, today I give you my life. Thank you for dying for me. Forgive my sin, my past, my present, and my future. And for the rest of my life, I'm going to follow you. Be my Lord and be my Savior. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody that agrees says... Come on, let's celebrate those who just made the best decision ever. Thank you for listening to the Radiant Church Podcast. For service times or giving options, visit us at weareradiant.com.